When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. It was a favorable Monday night for the New York City Soccer Stadium. And two men who have seen every kick for the two teams in the MLS Cup Final on Saturday. That and more coming up on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. New York City is the champion of Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Glenn Crooks, English radio voice for New York City FC. We've been on pause for a couple of weeks, and uh, many of you will know why. And uh, I'd like to talk about uh, my co-host and good friend, Roberto Abramowitz, who uh, underwent quadruple bypass surgery two weeks ago now. And uh, I talk to him or text him every day. And he uh, just wanted to send the message that he uh, misses everybody and he's getting uh, incrementally better each day. That's the way it's going to be. He says it's probably going to be another couple of months uh, before he uh, feels himself. But the surgery is successful. And uh, we all send our love to Roberto. And by the way, if I, I know many of you have uh, hit him up on social media, maybe on text. But uh, any more messages, uh, anything that he gets, uh, I'm sure will uh, will make him feel better. Uh, very, very good. So uh, rest well, Roberto, and get well soon. Well, the New York City Football Club's soccer stadium, good news. The Queens Community Board 7 voted overwhelmingly to approve the stadium complex and the associated classroom space, affordable housing, and some other things. New York City, FC, uh, New York City Councilman Francisco Moya and between 15 to 20 NYCFC staff in attendance at the meeting on Monday night. Many others were there, including Chris Campbell. And Chris is going to have the uh, luxury of being the first guest to appear on multiple occasions here on NYCFC Views. And uh, let's welcome in Chris now, who was at this meeting last night. And he's been kind enough to pull over to the side of the road on his way back home. Now, Chris, you've been involved in... Uh, covering the, the, the stadium thing uh, time and time again since the inception of all this. But you, you, you've you moved out of the area. 
So this meeting must have been a big meeting last night because you you came in for it. Tell everybody where you're coming from, how you got here, and then when you went back home. Yep. Uh, so uh, I currently uh, live in Wisconsin uh, near Madison, and so um, you know this was a, a massive meeting. Um, you know, and there was no virtual option, so um, I needed to make sure that this was one I wasn't going to miss. So flew in yesterday morning. Um, attended the meeting, flew back out uh, this morning, and I am currently in a Culver's parking lot. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, thankful that you could pull to the side of the road to uh, to give us your perspective on this because, uh, you know, you are the guy. That's the way I look at it. And, well, let's, uh, let's first start with the end of the meeting or the end of the announcement that there was this lopsided vote uh, by the uh, borough uh, council, uh, by the board of 37 to two. So here, here's the uh, clip you put up on social media. 37 in favor and two against. The motion passed. <laughs> Well, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of people at the meeting, Chris. I mean, you've been to a, a, a lot of these meetings, if not almost all of them, except for the ones you've had to attend virtually. What what was, uh, how did it compare in terms of the number of people present, the atmosphere, that sort of thing? Well, this was the first one I was able to attend in person for Queens Community Board 7. I've attended um, quite a few for um, uh, Bronx Community Board 4, where, uh, you know, the gal site was in play earlier near Yankee Stadium. Um, and this was by far the most attended uh, meeting I've, I've been to. It, I mean, there was there were there weren't enough chairs for the people there. Now, in the video you saw, you know, it looked a little bit thinner, but um, that's because it, we were already approaching 9:30 p.m. and people had stuff to do, places to go. Many people had come. They provided public testimony and they, you know, went and got home for whatever else they had going on. So um, that video does not really do it justice in terms of the number of people that were there. Wow. The uh, well, let's get to some of the things uh, and the importance of this meeting. Why, why, why did you fly in for this meeting? Why was it so important? Well, this was the first real, you know, big vote, um, you know, throughout the whole ULERP process. So, um, you know, we're going to have a few more kind of stages that this project needs to go through. Um, but like, this was the, kind of the first time where you know we're going to have the local community vote on this. Um, and take action to send it to the next stage. So um, it's it represents, I think, uh, really the, the starting point of the whole state. Now, I mean, there, there's been other public documents before this. There was the certification of ULERP. But this is the first time that the whole the public, the local community, the, the ones that are going to be there living, uh, working in um, and around the stadium, um, you know, the ones that are going to kind of feel the, um, the impacts of the stadium in terms of, uh, you know, benefits and what it's going to bring. Chris Campbell with us. He was at the meeting last night. Uh, Queens Community Board 7 uh, overwhelmingly passing and improving this uh, stadium complex. But it's not just a stadium. Uh, there are other elements. Uh, and the the parking, uh, new police precinct. What, what can you tell us about what was discussed about those two things last night? Right. So um, first, in the meeting, there was um, there were presentations and kind of um, talks given by Marty Edelman, chairman uh, for New York City Football Club, Jennifer O'Sullivan, the COO for NYCFC, uh, Francisco Moya. Um, and then ultimately there was Q&A by the uh, community board itself, the board members. 
And then ultimately, over an hour of public comments were, were given where 35 people um, provided their public testimony in terms of uh, why they were in support of the project. And there were a few that, that were against it, and, and, they, and they discussed that. But um, before they got to that, um, Chuck Apillion, the, the Housing and Land Use Chair for Community Board 7, um, noted, touched on a couple things. One, um, the, they received a letter um, from the deputy mayor about um, support. They're going to be receiving additional resources from NYPD, and, um, and they are going to be exploring the addition of a new police precinct. Now, this was something that the board was looking for well before um, you know, this uh, development came into play. And ultimately, it became an item that where they said, you know, we aren't going to support this project unless we get this precinct. So um, they were very happy with, um, the, with the commitment they've gotten from the city. And so that's no longer a hurdle. Um, and then parking, um, you know, they're based on the current zoning. Um, there's required to be a thousand parking spaces provided for the stadium. The club has had to try to figure out alternative methods in case an agreement wasn't worked out with the Mets. Um, but they announced at the meeting last night, while the agreement isn't final yet, um, they, uh, they basically have a, uh, a non-binding agreement, or, or I guess it hasn't just been signed yet, with the Mets to provide 4,000 parking spaces um, for um, the soccer stadium events, um, which you know, for 25,000 seat capacity is well, well more than what they need. And actually, it was well above the 2,500 that was requested by the club. Chris, there was a, a bit of debate uh, as to how many events could be taking place at the at the same time, or what the, the could one event overlap another one at all? Like, what what is the final analysis of that? And we're talking about New York City FC, uh, the Mets, the the U.S. Open, and anything else that might be held there. Right. So um, basically, to alleviate some traffic and parking concerns. Um, there can't be events going on at the soccer stadium as well as either at City Field or um, at the U.S. Uh, TA facilities at the same time. That doesn't mean the same day, just the same time. Okay. Um, and so ultimately, um, the I, and this was written into the term sheet that the, um, the, the developer signed with the city well ago, and I confirmed last night, it's still the same, um, a seven-hour difference between start time events. So ultimately, you could have the Mets, uh, you know, um, have their first pitch at 1 p.m. Eastern time and the NYCFC kicks off at 8. Um, so, you know, we can still have events on the same day, just not during the same time. And uh, this is the first time we have learned now that this includes USTA events as well. Well, with baseball having the the uh, pitch clock now, we, you know, you wouldn't run into the uh, you know, four or five hour game maybe in, in, in baseball. So it, it might be safer, you know. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what What else did you learn last night, Chris? Was Was, was there any other news out of the meeting uh, that uh, struck you? Um, not well. I mean, I guess one interesting note was uh, when Marty Edelman spoke. He mentioned that uh, during the whole stadium search process, that they looked at thirty eight other venues within the five boroughs. Right. Thirty eight. Um, so um, begin the speculation in terms of uh, where all those were, um, and I'm sure you know. I know of at least one venue that was outside of the five boroughs. I'm not sure if he was including that in that number or not. I'm talking about the aqueduct um, right. and uh, where the Islanders ended up. Um, and uh, so that was a very interesting note. Um, otherwise, you know, it was just very interesting to listen to all the public testimony um, uh, from the 35 people that spoke. Um, you know, I, I kind of tallied it here. There were 31, 31 of those 35 were in support of the project um, for against it. And, you know, in the, the 31 that spoke in support, 
they weren't just NYCFC fans. They weren't just supporters. They were uh, local union workers. Um, there was a hotel worker that spoke. Um, there were uh, uh, affordable housing enthusiasts. There were just people in the neighbor that you know live in the yeah. neighborhood and knew what it was going to bring. And so, um, listening to all that passion, uh, and, and honestly, some of the passion in terms of uh, those that were against it, um, it was good to hear all that. And um, and it was just uh, it was, was there, it was nice. Was there an overriding theme of those who were against it? What what were the issues for those who who uh, who didn't really uh, like the idea? Right. So um, one was was about that there w- will be no uh, property taxes paid. Now that's because the the team will be leasing the stadium instead of you know um, owning the uh, the land there. But typically, what you see is a is a payment in lieu of taxes to to alleviate that. That's not happening in this case. So that was one of the big things. Um, one of the other big things was um, in terms of uh, making sure that some of the benefits that's been talked about this deal getting that written down into a signed agreement um, in a, uh, a public benefits agreement. Um, and then um, a couple other items were just making sure, and well, you know, some of them were really just like, let's just take some more time and figure this out. Um, and then another one had actually, um, I, I couldn't tell if I, I marked him down as against the project, but it, he sounded like he was kind of for it, but um, it was found out last night that while a union labor is going to be building the stadium, it's in the hotel it's going to be non-union labor building the affordable housing. And so that became a kind of a, an item of, of note last night as well. All right. That is a note. 1,550 permanent jobs will be generated according to the press release uh, from this uh, announcement, 14,200 construction jobs. And those will be, you know, for, for the particular uh, uh, event uh, or construction of, of all the different things there. So that's not necessarily permanent. Hey, one final thing I wanted to ask you, uh, because the next step is the Queensboro president, 30 days, I guess. Um, and he said something about holding up the stadium unless the vendors were taken care of. That wasn't too long ago. Anything uh, mentioned about that last night? No, nothing last night mentioned. Um, so he, the first hearing um, that, th- that they're going to have is actually next week on December 13th. Um, and this will be in person and virtual with the Queens Borough President and Borough Board. Um, and so I'm not sure if that will be discussed then, but um, you know, it has uh, been reported after that came out that, um, that uh, Donovan Richards has had those, um, uh, those concerns alleviated. So it doesn't seem to be a, a sticking point any longer. All right, Chris. Well, job well done. Um, have a safe ride home. How, how close are you to getting home now? In the, I'm just in just under an hour now. All right. Be nice for you to get back, but wonderful that you came in to, uh, to see it in person yourself. And uh, you still see it as the same timeline in time for kickoff 2027? Yep. I think that hasn't changed. And I think, you know, ultimately the community board has kind of been ahead of schedule um now with you know them wrapping up the borough president appears to be also ahead of schedule um now i I don't think it's it's not materially changing the any kind of you know timelines but i I still think that uh 2027 um completion is still i mean given you know what what uncertainties there are with construction but um i still think shovels in the ground in the spring 2024 Yep. We, we kidded last time after uh, we disconnected with you and Roberto and I were on together that uh, we, we just care about your coverage of New York City and nothing else. <laughs> but what what is your uh, day job, Chris? Let everybody know what you do for a living. 
I am an accountant. So uh, I, I work from home. I, I work for a, uh, um, a defense company um, doing uh, finance. So um, kind of, uh, you know, I same job I was in in New York, just uh, working remote. So uh, the wife and I can now uh, be closer to family as we have our, uh, our one year old nice. daughter now. Nice. Well, congratulations and uh, good with the numbers. So I think you're uh, <laughs> you're well suited towards uh, the coverage of this. Uh, uh, well, well, I'm sure we'll have you back on uh, again during the uh, the build up to the uh, for the, the the first shovel into the ground. But uh, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. OK, that's uh, Chris Campbell and you follow him on Twitter uh, and he's um, he's got a lot of different things. I should also give a shout out to. Uh, Andrew uh, Lee from Hudson River Blue. Uh, for those of us just uh, sitting at home last night, we were following the events of it, thanks to Chris and Andrew, uh, among others. So, uh, well, that's the uh, soccer stadium update. Uh, New York City, uh, they were involved in the MLS Cup final uh, a couple of years back. It may seem longer than that ago, but it was 2021. In 2023, coming up uh, this Saturday, it's going to be LAFC on the road against Columbus Crew SC. So not everyone uh, probably uh, selected this as the matchup. Uh, No top seeds uh, involved in this one. Uh, And uh, we're going to have the pleasure to talk to uh, a couple of radio play-by-play voices for both sides who have watched and seen every moment of these two teams in their uh, competitive arena. So let's bring on uh, the West Coast first. What do you say? The radio voice of LAFC is Dave Denholm. And uh, where's Dave? There he is. Hey, Dave. Hey, Glenn, how are you? <laughs> Good look to at, see you. Look at you. Two consecutive <laughs> MLS Cup finals you get to broadcast? Come on, man. That's awesome. I'm getting spoiled by this club, no doubt. Uh, pretty good six seasons that we've had so far in MLS. There's no no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, every year has been – I the, to me, the similar thread is that it's been a team that's really been exciting to watch. But you get also the impression that this team under Steve Chirundolo is a little bit more pragmatic. I mean, I, you just look at the Houston game in the, in the West Final – Houston with 70% of the possession and LAFC still wins 2-0 and the game was played the way they wanted it. You could tell. It's exactly right. right. It's funny, in June, uh, Houston beat LAFC at home 1-0 in a game that LAFC had 70% of the possession and could not score and the Dynamo got the goal and kind of held on. So interesting that the tables turned in this uh, obviously a much more important game, the Western Conference final, thankfully. But yes, there's no doubt pragmatic is the word I use for it too. Uh, Steve, we all know him. And if you're of a certain age, you know him as one of the best defenders in MLS or a bigger part in U.S. men's national team history, a right back. But he liked to get forward. There's no no doubt about that when he was a player. So he definitely uses the wing backs, but he's a defense first kind of guy, you you know, just in terms of let's lock that down, make sure we're solid defensively. And he knows he has the weapons that can get forward and, you know, and finish chances. So, I think it's worked out very well. Obviously, he's unbeaten in the playoffs as a head coach, and he's looking for a second straight title in his second season. I mean, you can't do any better than that. So it's working out. And you know what it is, Glenn? It's a plan for each team, too. It's not as though LAFC is going to play the exact same way against Columbus, certainly on Saturday. I don't think there's any way 
that he's going to let Columbus have 70% of the possession. That would be, that would be trouble needless to say. So Columbus, no disrespect to Houston. You can't give Columbus that kind of uh, time on the ball. No, they're pretty good getting forward and putting it in the back of the net. No question <laughs> yeah, about they, it. I, yeah, I, like talking, a, I, like, I like personally talking about the coaches that, you know, Chirundolo yeah. the manager and certainly taking care of everything, the relationships with the players. There are so many different aspects to this, but um, Mark Dos Santos, uh, from what I've heard, really runs like a lot of what they're doing, you know, in training, uh, helping to formulate the plan, all these different things. To what extent does Dos Santos, who I understand has already been contacted by three clubs in MLS, I, I think it would almost be shocking that he doesn't have a job next year with another team. But uh, what do you say about Dos Santos? Yeah, that would hurt, honestly. That would hurt me personally. He's a great guy. I love Mark and working with him. But he he is very uh, very uh, if you will involved. Uh, that's what Steve Chirundolo does with his assistants. There, it's not a huge staff like you see in the NBA. There's not twelve guys running around, but you know Oka who runs the uh, the goalkeeping. Steve lets him handle that. Ante Ante Razov, of course, as we all know, in charge of a lot of the offense and what's going on there. And Mark Dos Santos is is very very uh, responsible for set pieces a lot. So we've seen a lot of the success we've had with set pieces. It's certainly working. Now that everybody has a hand in all of those areas on the staff, but yeah, it's definitely a, a, a staff that works well together. There's no doubt about it. And it, and it has been a big part of their success. Uh, you know, it seems like a cliche, but it really is true. They all have their responsibilities and they all come together to help Steve out and it's working. That is the bottom line, and I know you love your coaching and and your big part of that. You you know better than I how important that is, and it's it's being it's a success right now, and that's the bottom line. And I think you can see it on the field and then off the pitch. To me, and I've I've told other people this. I think these are the two best organizations, too, top to bottom. So the, there's a reason they're both here in this final. Dave Denholm with us. He's the radio voice for LAFC. Has been from the first kick for them, and. Uh, you're not at home for this one, though. And and what the heck happened at the beginning of the last game? They had to delay the game because don't don't you usually set off the the, the supporters on, <laughs> aren't the flares and the smoke? Isn't that every game? Why was it so thick this time? Was there a wildfire so going on? Well, they did do some flares. There was some more of that that you don't usually see, frankly. All right. But even when you're you know if you let off some pyrotechnics during the anthems or what you know what usually that blows out pretty quick in downtown LA. It just lingered you know there wasn't the breeze going through and it was it was definitely what who played that game was it the bears eagles or something way back in the nfl if you remember that that now that was fog and there was no way they were going to oh, get I rid of that fog, yeah and they tried there to play through that. Yeah. yeah yeah they played through that honestly glenn i could not there was no way we were going to start that and be able to see if they would have started it exactly on time, there was a bit of a, maybe a couple minute delay as they had to wait for that to kind of clear a little bit. Now it wasn't all gone by the time they kicked off. If, if you watched Apple TV, you saw that too, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty wild because I didn't know how, how long it was going to take. Cause there's just was no breeze going through, which is usually not the case. That's and was, did I see something where there there's now going to be some sort of pyrotechnic law in the stadium? I, I may have. I think uh, there already is potentially. I uh, okay. from what I'm saying, I know uh, my limited knowledge of this is social media, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think there is there are rules in place. 
You might even be, have to pay a fine potentially. And some clubs yeah. want to do that. They don't mind. Some clubs just kind of for, it could be insurance. Who knows? Insurance reasons with stadiums. The clubs probably yeah. aren't even involved in that in a lot of ways, potentially. I don't know for sure, but there are a lot of factors to it. Yeah. You're not going to see that very often. Carlos Vela. Was that his final home game for LAFC? Boy, it sure uh, it sure felt like that in a way. I again, I don't know. I mean, if I'm if I'm John Thorrington, that's a tough decision to make, to be honest, because he's been the perfect signing from day one, uh, on and off the pitch. You know, it, you can't do any better than Carlos Vela and what he's done to for this organization right from day one. The first signing in the team's history, that big or first designated player. It's just been perfect, honestly. And again, that is so rare, you know. And it's just when you hit like that, you can have success like LAFC has had. If that would have been a failure, I can only imagine. I can't imagine. You know, if a signing like that goes awry, that can put a club back for years and years, seasons upon seasons. And so I hope it wasn't. But I understand there are obviously factors from both his side and from the club side that are going to have to be worked out. And we'll see, but regardless, no matter what happens to him in the future, if he comes back or if he decides that he wants to move, he's just been the perfect signing, really, from day one. Hey, hey we uh, Lucho Acosta winning, uh, you know, the the attacking player MVP this year, uh, seventeen goals, fourteen assists. We can't forget Vela's that monster year he had. What was it? Thirty three goals and seventeen. It was nuts. What was it? Thirty four and fifteen. Okay. 34 and 15. So and the we record were, still stands. crazy about Acosta this year. I mean, that was that's that's the most unbelievable season in uh, MLS history, right? You are absolutely right because people forget the 15 assists. That team was so offensive minded and so loaded that you know a guy who's also playing in this final had a pretty darn good year in Diego Rossi that year too. Of course, he's with Columbus now, but so yeah, I mean Carlos Vela that. I don't know how you duplicate that. And I, all deference to the greatest player ever, Lionel Messi, sure, he could get it done maybe, but that's 49 goal contributions is a lot for anyone. I, I don't care if you're Lionel Messi or whoever it is, that record could stand for quite some time. It was a, a, an amazing year. All right, Dave, uh, one final thing. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini at the back, Maxime Crupo in goal, and considering Columbus, their attack, uh, how critical are those two to winning MLS Cup back-to-back years? Absolutely, no doubt about it, because Maxime Crepeau has made, for people who maybe didn't see or listen to the games, made two massive saves, one in the, each of the last two games very early. We're talking within the first five to seven minutes, and you never know how that changes a game if he doesn't make those right. just world-class saves, one on Jordan Morris and then the next one on Corey Baird on a ball from Hector Herrera that was out of this world. So if he doesn't make those saves, I'm probably not talking to you or potentially not talking to you. So he's crucial. But Giorgio Chiellini, you know, I've told people, nobody has played the defensive position better in MLS history. Now, I'm not saying he deserves to be defender of the year. He takes some days off here and there. You know, I get it. Uh, You know, he needs his rest and he doesn't, you know, play every game or hasn't played 34 matches. But you're not a better defender than Chiellini if you're playing in MLS. I mean, he's just the best that I've ever seen do it. And he's still doing it at a high level at that age. Now, can people run by him? Sure, he knows that. 
but he's so smart, Clay. And, and you know, he reads the reads the game better than anyone that I've ever seen. And just I'm, he's always I'm at the. I'm so ball. happy. I'm so happy he's uh, reached fitness and is able to play, you know, yeah. on a regular basis. And he's also dangerous on the attacking side in set pieces, as your call would indicate on the first <laughs> goal, the game winner uh, against the Houston Dynamo in the West Finals. I think we have that. Zabela, the in-swinger, Clark still on his line, headed down, Keeley, loose, goal! head puts it in, it's one now! Ryan Hollingshead does it again! His third of the playoffs to the black and gold lead, one now! Now that's why when it's on Apple TV and it's a home broadcast for LAFC, you should have been tuned into Dave Denholm, the English mm. hometown commentary. Did you get some uh, good feedback on that this year? Yes, we've, we've had a good run. Uh, I'm very happy with, uh, you know, the, the just absolutely blessed and, and just thrilled that I can have this job. It's a dream job, no doubt. As you said, from the first time they've kicked off, I've been there and I've just been following the progress of this club and it's just been amazing. I love everybody uh, who's with the club. It's just a well-run organization and they treat me very well and I really appreciate it and I love what I do for them and hope I can do it as long as they want me frankly all right well you're good at it Dave you have to make a prediction Chris Doran on the Columbus side standing by I'm going to make him do the same what do you got well as much as I love Chris uh, I think LAFC is the best team usually the best team wins although Columbus is going to be a, a, an absolute beast to handle. There's no doubt about it. And home field will be tough. But I think LAFC will pull this one out two to one. All right, Dave. We'll have a great call. Uh, we'll be listening. And uh, just uh, enjoy it. And uh, congratulations. Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate the time. You're quite welcome. Dave Denholm, he is the radio voice of LAFC. They are on the road against Columbus Crew SC that uh, they've got a radio play-by-play guy that's been at it for a while, too. His name is Chris Doran. So we're going to uh, bring in the uh, opponent to LAFC now, and uh, we'll get up. There you Look at him. Look at how handsome this dude is. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> You're so kind. Yeah. I and You used to be grayer than me. What happened? I think my, my uh, maybe it's the lighting. Yeah, I went to the barber yesterday, and she cut off all the gray hair and left the uh, the black hair on the top. That's that's really nice. That's really nice, Chris. Uh, great to see you. And uh, look, uh, how exciting is this for you? Um, you get to stay home. Uh, it's at lower dot com. Uh, I, I suppose there's different points of the year where you're not quite sure how this is all going to going to go. But I, I can't imagine the expectation is you'd be hosting MLS Cup. Well, a lot of things, as you know, had to go our way, including uh, eliminating a couple of top seeds and having one eliminated as well. Um, that is in St. Louis. And then uh, to have the Eastern Conference be handled with uh, Cincinnati being knocked off last week at the hands of the crew. Yeah, I don't I can't tell you that I was expecting this, but um, stranger things have happened in this league. You and I both lived through 2020. Thank God. And uh, we're able to tell some strange stories about the way that year unfolded for everybody. Um, I, you know, it's a dream come true, I think, for crew fans. Um, sorting through the opportunity to be there, uh, you have a chance for the first time or the second time in, in four years to cheer on the home side in an MLS Cup. We only had about 4,500 people at home uh, Historic Crew Stadium in 2020 right. because of the COVID restrictions, but we'll have a full house on Saturday afternoon. 
I suppose the fans are also thankful that Joey Saputo sprinted into the locker room after a game in Montreal in 2022 when Wilfred Nancy was still his coach and ranted and raged and ra- and went completely bonkers. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, I have a, a pretty good source indicating that that was the moment that he knew he was gone. And because he just, that's not the, the, the kind of uh, a guy he is. So tell us right. uh, what your experience has been with Wilfred Nancy. You know, I can't wait to actually talk to him off microphone away from the media and explore a little more of what his spiritual drive is all about, because I really feel like the way he handles people has got a, a true spiritual base to it. Um, and I'm, I'm not, there is a difference, I think, between a structured religion and a spirituality that people have. Uh, and the essence of his spirituality allows him to sort of work with every type of personality in a way in which he can connect with them first, and then secondly, help them trust him, and then thirdly, help to get the best out of them. Uh, Wilfried Nazi is surrounded by a great staff um, and a great facility, as you well know. So You've got those things going for you, but it doesn't matter. None of those things matter if you don't have the core of the connection with the coach and the player. And I think what's worked for Wilfried Nazi this year is that he was able to stand in front of the group in January, sell himself to everybody. They started to buy in, and then there was complete buy-in. Then there was probably a struggle in trust at times, as is the case with all new relationships. But man, Glenn, we get to this point in the season, and... There's not a guy in the locker room who can't sing his praises and talk about just how next level the experience has been this year. Well, there's a great piece uh, written by Henry Bushnell in uh, uh, Yahoo.com. Uh, I believe it was published today and uh, read it this morning. And the focus of the article, uh, Chris, is how Columbus and Wilfred Nancy, they have a, a way they're going to play. And that's it. Now, they scout the opponent, we know that, but they're really home, away, it's it's more about them, which I really appreciate, more about them than it is about who they're playing against. Is that what you've noticed along the way? Yeah, the old saying that uh, the coach and the players pass along is respect everyone, but fear no one. And I think that's the the motto that they've taken into every game. Glenn, you know as well as I that Orlando's a tough place to play, whether it's a regular season game in March or it's a playoff game in October, November. And that's what Columbus had to do to get to this point. And then we had to go to the in-state rivals and we had to endure what was a week of back and forth in social media. And you can't tell me the players can entirely disconnect from that leading up to the Hell is Real Derby. And yet they were able to rise above it and find their way in the 76th minute compliments of an own goal and then a game-tying goal late to work their way into another 30 minutes of time, where in that 30 minutes, we actually saw piece by piece uh, falling off of FC Cincinnati. They physically could not compete. We got to the, what, five minutes, uh, 115th minute, and it didn't look like Cincinnati wanted to finish the game. They were done. So, you know, I give uh, I give Columbus and the staff a lot of credit. It's been exciting to watch, and there is some modicum of concern that having had to play on the road two additional 30-minute sessions to settle games may play into this weekend's match against LAFC. It's not to say that LAFC is completely rested either, uh, 
But the point is, is that how much of a test has been the last couple of weeks on the physical abilities of the players who will play on the on the weekend. And so uh, managing the rest this week, at least at the beginning of the week, is is a big priority for the crew. All right, let's get to that uh, Hell is Real match uh, a little bit more thoroughly. Uh, 110 miles separates the two franchises. And uh, Pat Noonan, head coach at Cincy, Wilfred Nancy at Columbus, uh, This is they've now played five games against each other, and there have been 27 goals. Now, yeah. this game in particular, uh, Cincy goes up 2-0, and, and yeah. you're calling the game. So at what point uh, is it when it became 2-1 that you felt like, okay, uh, but you're, you know, when you're calling a game, you have a feel for what, what, what's going on and, and uh, the energy. And uh, so what do you think? When did it, when did it really, uh, did it change before 2-0? Was it when it was 2-2? When, when did you feel it? No, I think it, I mean, the numbers will bear it out, but for me as an announcer, it, it changed in the own goal. Um, but Ramirez comes on the hero the week before in the 63rd minute. That was an early sub. Ramirez didn't come onto the field. In fact, Nazi stuck with his starting 11 in Orlando until the 90 minutes were up. He hadn't made a change. You bring in Ramirez and Gressel in the 63rd minute. What you're signaling is we're going to go with a, a, a major flow change here. And, so my ears perked up a little bit with that. My eyes perked up a little bit. But honestly, Glenn, in the 70th minute, I was thinking to myself, you know what? It's been a great season with a first-year coach. It's going to be a long drive home. I'm a little chilly, and I can't wait to get into my sweats and just reflect on what was a really good season. In the 75th minute, we get that own goal, which I thought was Ramirez's goal because he was in the mix, but give him credit anyway. And now I'm like, okay, the last 15 minutes are going to be kind of interesting. And then we get the game-tying goal. And, you know, anything can happen, as you know, in the extra 30 minutes. So uh, to be honest with you, I really felt like the subs and the timing of the subs, I don't think it was bold, but I think it was exactly when it had to happen. And he signaled to, you know, a front runner like Ramirez, you got 27 minutes to figure this one out for us and help us get back on the board. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, the Christian Ramirez story around the playoffs is remarkable because uh, he was he and his wife were expecting a baby, and um, and then I think of Tiz, Tim Bezbachenko who brought Ramirez in. I mean, if there's a better forward, uh, a guy of his size that can really hassle things on set pieces, but is also a pure finisher. And he certainly has proven that in the latter stages of some very important games. He scores the game winner. And uh, tell us uh, about Ramirez. Well, it was, uh, it was a really great story that he, uh, Thursday before the Orlando game, and I may have some of the days mixed up, but you know, he and his wife were expecting to go to the hospital. He wasn't sure he was, could, make, could make the trip to Orlando. He gets on the plane. Uh, wife gets sent home. It's going to be a couple of days. And so the guys on the plane actually didn't uh, didn't think it was such a good idea. There were some guys who were surprised to see him, thinking he'd stay home. He goes down, scores the added time goal to give us the win in Orlando. I should yeah. say overtime win. Flies back Tuesday morning. They've got their third child, their first boy. The two girls, by the way, are adorable. They come out of the locker room at home games and they hug daddy every game. And it's just adorable. Um, and then he's back at training the next day, Glenn. 
and he's training with the team preparing for Cincinnati. He gets on the plane. He's still got the hospital wristband from when his he was in the hospital with his wife and new baby. Still wearing it and scores the game winner against Cincinnati. He bookended the birth of his third child with two game-winning goals (laughs) in overtime and sent Columbus to MLS Cup. All right. Best week of his life, I'm sure. (laughs) No one could discount that Chris Doran, radio play-by-play voice for Columbus Crew. They're hosting LAFC in the MLS Cup final. Uh, Before we finish this, there's a guy who performed for the New York City Football Club, was traded to Columbus, and has become integral at the back. They play a 3-4-3. He's the left central defender, Malde Amundsen. And Scott Churchson had... uh, who covers the New York City Football Club was on a on a presser with Wilfred Nancy, and he um, he quoted um, Wilfred about Amundsen, how much he appreciates him as a player, but it seemed like more as a person and and, and fitting in with the team. Amundsen has been terrific in terms of acclimating to what's demanded around him. I've had him on my uh, radio show, Inside the Crew, uh, once or twice. He's such a natural, delightful kid. Um, Grew up in his hometown, wanted to play for the hometown club, got to do it at the age of 10, 11, and 12. They used to go watch the first team games on Saturday afternoons at the the grounds. And then he gets this opportunity to go to New York. Well, Glenn, he had no idea what Manhattan was going to be like when he arrived in your city. I remember. (laughs) Yeah. And and before you know it, he's coming in as a sub against uh, Portland in the MLS Cup in 2021. Um, and, you know, help see that one through. Um, so he's got the big game experience. He comes to Columbus, had never been here before, at least as a, as a citizen. Uh, his family has come out. His mom has come out to help him set up his apartment and cook for him on the weekends on a couple of occasions. I have it on uh, firsthand knowledge that mom is probably going to make the trip to Columbus this weekend as well. Nice. So uh, excited for him. And he's he's still got that boyish, I'm living the dream grin that you probably remember when you had him at New York City. He's just a, a delightful young man. And he's been extremely effective as a as a center back for us here in Columbus. Yeah, we're happy for him. Uh, yeah, it, it, delightful for sure. Good sense of humor. It was uh, always enjoyable to uh, be hanging around with him all day. Well, Chris, uh, you got a big, uh, big call coming up. And uh, it's on Apple, so I'm assuming that the, the English hometown commentary will be available on the dropdown. Yes? Certainly hoping for that. Yeah. It's been All an right. interesting treat, hasn't it, this year for, for those of us who do the play-by-play uh, in our home stadiums. It's been a, a, a feature that kind of caught me by surprise. Um, I know you're used to being on uh, local as well as Sirius XM quite a bit. Um, this is just another level of exposure for the craft that you and I practice. And and I think I consider it a real blessing for us. All right. And uh, like I did with Dave, uh, I I need a prediction from you on the final Dave went against you. I don't know where you're going. Yeah. I heard him in the green room, um, (laughs) when he predicted his final score, um, can't disagree with the score line, but I, I, am leaning more towards a three, one Columbus final. Wow. Oh, you guys, no one's going out on a limb. It could go that way. It's very hard. I think we're assured that goals will be scored in this game. Can we? Absolutely, sir. That's correct. All right. We'll we'll bet on that one. All right. Chris Doran, uh, radio play-by-play uh, for uh, the Columbus crew who have that big match, uh, MLS Cup. Uh, 
They won in 2020. They're trying to win it in 2023. New coach, new system, and uh, but the same radio voice. Chris, good luck with it. Have fun. Have fun. Glenn, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. So we get the chance to talk to Chris, to Dave, uh, setting up the MLS Cup. Why don't we kick it around? Let's go. All right, Luis Suarez, Inter-Miami, they're always in the news. It's mostly messy, but now it's Luis Suarez. Uh, Michelle Kaufman, who writes for the Miami Herald, and she's probably the closest journalist to that team, uh, usually has a lot of information, uh, says that he will be signing a TAM contract. Didn't disclose or, or know how many years it's going to be, but uh, it, you, you wouldn't think it's going to be for more than a year. Uh, but it's not its not going to be a DP deal. It's going to be a TAM deal, according uh, to Michelle. Al Suarez will be 37 years old in January, and he's got a bad knee. There was a post in Soccer America this morning, and I want to uh, put it up here and then uh, just read the quote. It's a quote from Suarez, uh, translated from Spanish. Diario Olé uh, was the uh, radio station that interviewed him. But here he's talking about taking three pills uh, a day and then hours before a game getting injections. And then if not, he can't play. He walks with a limp. So people notice this. Uh, he says uh, he thinks in maybe five years he won't even be able to play five aside with his friends. He's worried about not even being able to play a game with his son. And this is uh, a, a guy who really struggles physically. but. Uh, in The Athletic, there was um, a piece talking about his time at Gremio, and he had this 19-minute hat trick against uh, Botafogo in November, and uh, it was a come-from-behind 4-3 win. He is a legend in Gremio. He's only been there one season, played, I think, 44 games, and uh, one of the local writers said, a timeless display about the hat trick that deserves to go down in the history of the league uh, in Brazil. Gremio fans will tell their grandkids that they saw Suarez play in the tri-color shirt. But then also in the same uh, article, Gremio president Alberto Guerra says about the knee, it's very serious. He's getting towards his limit. So I thought it's interesting to look at all this together. Uh, but And he, does, he, he rarely trains, and that's the thing. So at Miami, there's a good chance that this guy's going to trained very little, if at all, once the season really gets uh, into progress. So I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. And now that we're on Inter-Miami, it's always messy. Messi in an interview earlier this week called MLS a minor league. So I went right to my source, Ariel Hudis, who is the uh, co-commentator on the Spanish side with Roberto Abramowitz for the New York City Football Club. And uh, I asked Ariel about this, and he said the concept of minor league or little league is very American. It does not exist in Messi's mind. It does not exist in the minds of the, of the Argentine fans. And he said in no way was, uh, in his opinion, uh, based on the interview and, and it being taken out of context, that it was uh, considered by Messi an insult uh, of the league. Other league knows Frank, uh, news, Frank Klopas named Chicago Fire head coach. Sean McCauley, will remain the interim head coach at Minnesota United. When they start the season in 2024, it will be with an interim coach. Why? 
Well, a former New York City FC scout and also a scout for City Football Group, Khalid El Ahmed, he was recently named the sporting director for uh, Minnesota, but he doesn't start until January. And they're going to wait for him to come in and be able to assess all the situation before uh, he is in charge of hiring the next permanent coach. But pretty interesting, Minnesota United starts 2024 with an interim coach. And then finally, <laughs> the face of Erling Holland. This is a tweet by Art But Sports. <laughs> that face. And then they put Marcius by Bolhasar Permoser, 1680 through 1685. And then the photo by James Gill, side by side. I had I had no idea who Marcius was. I have to admit, I didn't don't know my history. Uh, and I so I looked it up in one of the great parables of hubris. I'm I'm reading this directly. Marcius, who was a lustful and drunken figure, challenged the god Apollo to a musical competition. The god triumphed and then push, punished his challenger, Marcius, by skinning him alive. Hence, can you put it back up, Sammy? So that's a guy who's getting skinned alive. That's what this uh, sculpture is. And then for Holland and uh, Manchester City in general, they uh, they got written up by uh, the Premier League, the FA, for violation of uh, crowding around the uh, referee. And that was after that call when uh, Holland, uh, the referee, let it play on, threw ball to Grealish. He's on goal to try to maybe win the game against Spurs. And the referee blows the final whistle, whistle as he's approaching goal. And, uh, yeah, it may have been a problem. And it, it, it certainly was uh, – Probably a poor moment for that referee, but I thought Bernardo Silva said it best afterwards when uh, he was a man of reason when he just said, you know, we're responsible for this. They could have scored a lot more goals and that he said the referee's human and this is what happens in the game. Well, thanks for joining us here on uh, NYCFC Views after a couple of week pause. Uh, I'll continue to update the condition of Roberto Abramowitz, but he's uh, resting as comfortably as possible at home. Thanks to Dave Denholm and also Chris Doran, the play-by-play uh, -play radio voices of LAFC and Columbus Crew SC, and also Chris Campbell, who gave us uh, more of an update on the stadium situation for New York City FC after that good, successful meeting in Queens last night. So for all those folks, I'm Glenn Crooks. Thanks for being here on NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.